Well, well, well. Chandler. Well, well, well. We're, here we are. Well, well, well. Hello. Let's do this. Honestly, one day we will stop being annoying. And I feel like the tone of our voice every time we start a new pod is like, can you believe it, girls? We're doing this again. <laughs> it's exactly what happens. And honestly, every time we do do it, I am a little bit like, can you believe it? We're doing this really again? Like we we made it to episode 14. It's like when Taylor Swift comes out to accept an award. It's just like all eyes wide. I can't believe this is happening. You know, that's actually one thing that annoyed me about her concerts. I have been to every single tour of hers. That's Mm. one like fun fact about me. She, she, She gets this look in her eyes where she will walk out to the end of the stage and she'll just kind of like take in the audience cheering. And she just looks like, and she's just like, like so doe-eyed and just like, wow, I can't believe this is my life. And it's actually really annoying because like after like the fifth stadium tour, you're just a little bit like, yeah, this is your life. Like get used to it. Stop acting so like stunned by it every single time. Like I actually don't want you to be humble anymore. You're like, it's annoying me. And it's funny because it's not even, I know exactly the look you are describing because she she uses that same look at every award show every to every like big thing that happens to her she she becomes like this suddenly this deer in the headlights like oh my gosh she's like what is that a crowd i'm just a little gal from nashville why are all these people here (laughs) you know the words to my songs that i wrote on my guitar no literally i'm pretty sure she said something like that like i can't believe you guys still know the words to all my songs Oh, I really don't like I don't actually have a strong like hatred for her at all. I actually really like her and love her music and like anticipate every album. But sometimes her personality bugs. Her music is incredible. She's a true artist. Definitely. We all know when people are being fake. So cut the SHIT. I just want her mom that I would not cuss. Cut the SHIT. She's easily the one of the richest performers of all time. Would you agree? Like how much is she worth? Probably, I would say five hundred million. Really yeah, good. I'm looking at it right now. Please. So you're saying five hundred million, three hundred and sixty million. Okay. So, so I wish I, I could a little bit. The highest paid celebrity. She's the highest paid celebrity. I'm seeing this. I mean, she's not. She's worth less than Kylie Jenner. She's worth half of what Kylie Jenner's worth. So I mean. It depends on what documents you're looking at, you know? No, because remember, even the documents when we did our breakdown, they showed Kylie Jenner were still stacked up to about $900 million. Really? Yeah, which is just so interesting because you know that Taylor Swift has worked so much harder I than Kylie Jenner. That number just, like, does not make sense to me. Like, I don't get Honestly, it. I, so I was listening to Heather Dubrow's podcast today, and she was talking to her daughter, Max. Oh, yeah, okay. It was full hour with her and Max. And yeah. Max was talking about how cool Kylie was. Like, Kylie is so cool. Why? Like, she is such a boss. She was just the teenage girl, 16 year old, was just like idolizing Kylie Jenner. Could not stop talking about how cool Kylie Jenner is. Like, you're about to be 25. Yeah. This is a weird thing that's going to happen to you. But there is going to be a generation that's younger than you. And that is slightly like more with it than you No, I, I can already feel that in fact I said something to McCall today I said McCall would you come on the pod as our TikTok correspondent yeah McCall our little sister McCall who is our little sister who is, is, 19. Fully, is 19 she's fully in that generation and is fully more with it than I am 
Yeah, it becomes the strangest thing when you suddenly realize that there are a full generation of adults that are a solid five to seven years younger than you and like quickly coming for, I don't know, like they jeopardize your identity as like a cool young person because they're cooler and younger than you. They strip you of any edge you've ever had. They strip you bare. Yeah. Okay. Until you have nothing. Until you're just cold and shivering. (laughs) Speaking of which, when did you realize that I was cooler than you? I mean, I certainly realized that you and your friends had a certain vernacular and language between each other that I just wasn't privy to and could not understand. Like I just noticed like you and your friends, you communicate in a totally different way than my friends and I do. Like my friends and I, we never FaceTime each other and you and your friends, you, your first, your first impulse is to FaceTime your friends. Yeah. And I never FaceTime my friends. And that's a huge cultural divide. You guys just communicate way more, way more Mm -hmm. often. You're way more in touch with each other. And I really think it's a generational thing. Like, you know, my generation, Chandler, we're just very independent. Yeah, right, right. (laughs) It's just for for us, we really value like our own solitude. It's just Mm -hmm. us and like the wind and the sun in our eyes. Whereas you, you guys, you know, you can't bear to even take a couple steps without, you know, validating each other digitally you know it's accurate it's so true you're just too busy forming a thought to like facetime and i just i haven't formed a thought in years truthfully i mean we're my generation is too busy being contemplative you Mm -hmm. know walking by walking on a landscape and looking out (laughs) onto the sea and then potentially convening to share our thoughts to share our well-formed thoughts you know once a quarter if you think that walking around the Irvine spectrum, returning SHIT to H&M, is you walking on a landscape, I am in shock. It's called the landscape of commerce. Okay? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't specify. There is a poet called Michael Robbins. I urge you to read his work. But anyway, one of his, one of his beliefs is that you could have a spiritual experience in a Walmart. I mean, I feel like I've had maybe not a spiritual experience within like the Walmart store, but I've had a spiritual experience within the subway within a Walmart many a time. Because the tuna was so the tuna. good. Yeah. The tuna sandwich. We're, we're back to the tuna. People are Sorry. like, but we're actually really glad we didn't have to wear tuna updates <laughs> for a solid 10 episodes, but we're back. We're back. Sorry. This is me. I really like it. We can just move forward. Okay. Speaking of tuna, I have, I'm moving to San Francisco in two days. Okay. And Mm -hmm. I've had a crisis that's been just percolating in my brain. And I'm just trying to figure out how I can make a good impression with my roommates while still being faithful to Tuna. Okay. Do you want to mention everyone that you're moving from Los Angeles that you used to live in LA? Because that's always really important for you every episode to mention that you you used to live in LA. So I lived in LA for two years. (laughs) I was like a quiet young professional. I was working on an app and I'm a creative at an ad agency. Yeah. What else can I say about my super cool life? I had a Mazda. It's a lease. It was a lease. Yeah. (laughs) Classy. Okay. But so now I'm moving, I'm moving to a different type of city, a different type of landscape, if you will. Uh And I really want to make a good impression. I I don't know my roommates. You guys are going to all call me crazy, but I had one zoom call. I really liked the room and the girls were all really nice. Uh, And then like, they were like, we'd love it if you'd be our roommate. So just like that, I'm moving in to a spot in lower pack heights with four gals I've never really met before. So Mm -hmm. 
I was thinking like, should I bring each of them some sort of, of like funny niche antique? And then, you know, that way they could just really be like submerged headfirst into like my humor. I'm thinking like some sort of figurine for one of them, an ancient document for like somebody else. No. Like that could be quirky though. That could be like fun. No. I feel Um, like here is the antique figurine from you know, X time period for you, Kristen. First of all, you're too cheap to do any of this. So this let's is Let's not, <laughs> not mince words. What we're learning now that you make money and that you're still a little bit on the frugal side is that mm-hmm. you're not broke. You're actually just venturing into cheap territory real fast. So we know okay, it's not going to happen because you're too cheap. But well, since when am I, I am not cheap, I am just frugal. And I actually am very generous with you, even though you did say this morning that I was not generous, but I am generous. Okay. What's an, what's an act of generosity that's happened uh, recently within the act, past three months? This is, I guess, is a pro to me. This, you, okay. you still haven't even got me a birthday present. Okay, that was actually was going to be my thing because I have it ready for you. I'm just going to give it to you tomorrow morning. But I guess now that just if it doesn't feel the same anymore. So we'll see if we get it. Wait, you have something ready for me? Yes. Like, is it tangible? I mean, is yes. it something? It is. I have like a card and everything. You wow. bitch. Oh, well, I mean, it's 11 days later, so. Okay, I didn't see you because I was under lockdown. I've seen uh, you multiple times. Okay, I maybe I didn't see you. Maybe I didn't have it with me ready the last two times that I've seen you. But the, on the third time, I will be ready. Okay, well, I don't want to look a gift horse in the mouth. I'm very grateful for <sighs> whatever whatever token you bestow upon me. It just went down by $50, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I really regret bringing this up because I could use that extra 50 Yeah, I'm sure you could. Speaking of which, you owe me some money but we gotta settle up later yeah let's set up later because i actually have to make a return interesting yeah after return after return but we'll talk about it later i actually don't okay we don't i don't accept returns but let's move forward <laughs> let's move forward okay so here i do have some advice to you about moving in with these roommates yeah and how you're gonna curry favor with them also curry, no pun intended but let's just stay away from pungent odors let's forego the fumes of fish for the softer smells <laughs> of poultry that's uh, uh, really annoying maybe like after month three i can do it so you're gonna go in strong with the fish smell why don't you why don't you go in strong with a shining personality and a spotless kitchen behavior no and i then oh slowly... i leave a, i leave a kitchen spotless i know that's what i said maybe around the Just three month odorless. Odorless. yeah True. Just maybe around the three month mark, I will, you know, I might crack open a can. Do you know what happened in my kitchen last night? No, what? I, the salmon in the oven caught on fire. <gasps> oh this my is gosh. one of my domestic moments I did not put on Instagram. This, I broiled salmon and it actually caught on fire. Oh my gosh. I didn't know that when you're, this is, people are going to like really roll their eyes at me. Um, but I didn't know that when you broil, you're supposed to leave the doors open. I, I would have never known that as well that feels like a user like a function error if you have to yeah, do that I mean, no one ever told me that and I, I so not only did the salmon literally catch on fire but also the baking dish it was in broke underneath <gasps> it oh my gosh so something was truly wrong I went to get the fire extinguisher but Kagan um just blew it out with his you know lungs mm-hmm. so I don't know I that might have been an overreaction on my part but it was actually <laughs> a scary moment so that was one of my my culinary fails this week. I feel like I'm actually very calm in crisis situations, but if that's just the, not in everyday life. 
No, yeah, not in everyday life, but when a crisis, you know, is to arise, I'm there. But okay. I think that when it comes to matters of fire, I have no idea what to do. You are no, not calm no. in a crisis. I That's hate a, to break this to you, but you are like not that? calm in a crisis. I mean, I, I think in the in the face of danger, like I'm definitely get stressed out easily. I wouldn't call you calm during COVID-19. Okay. Specifically, pandemics are not my strong suit. But I think like if somebody is hurt, are you calm in? If someone's hurt or injured, like for example, like when we had witnessed that horrific thing at dad's office, like I actually feel like I felt like I was very calm and like my brain like narrows in on what needs to happen. But what are you talking about? When we we witnessed a shooting at, uh, outside our dad's office, we didn't actually witness it. One of the people who works there, one of the attorneys who works there, actually witnessed it and saw it. We just became privy to it when he started screaming, "Oh my god!" I guess I just don't feel like I, maybe maybe I'm not like hyper calm, but I just don't melt down. Like I didn't melt down or like that's true. That's true. You didn't melt down, although I was the one who articulately and calmly called 911 and then examined I mean, the you scene. were closer to the scene than I was. It's not like I was like too shaken up to call 911 just for the record. I was- Literally standing in front of you. No, I was. I was in the conference room. When I called 911, we were right next to each other. We're splitting hairs. We're splitting hairs. Let me explain something to you. I am not calm in a crisis. When I, I worked at a company called Stance, and we had a bomb threat, and I was the least calm of the entire company. What was the bomb threat? We were in a company meeting. We were, that, this is the crazy part. I don't we think you've a, ever told me this. Yeah, we had a bomb threat during a company meeting. It was at, at once a quarter, we would have a, a big company meeting. We would all be in this huge like auditorium space, you know, like 150 people. And so, and that's rare for everyone in the company to be in the same room, but we yeah. randomly had a bomb threat during a company meeting. And so while some, while one of the like executives was presenting, the CEO came up and took the mic and he said, I want everyone to remain calm, but we've had a bomb threat. And so we're going to open up the doors, the big like garage doors, and we should need everyone to walk out of the building calmly. They said in the threat that we're being like surveyed or whatever. What? Wait, wait, yeah. wait. Like... How did they hear about the bomb threat? It was an email, but they didn't say this. All they said was that we received a bomb threat. They open up the big garage doors and we all stand up and we all single, like kind of in like single file rows, we just start walking outside and then we proceed to stand outside the building with the mom threat. And they have not given us any further details on this. And I thought that this was insane like, why are we standing outside the building totally. with bomb threat in it? We should be getting away from the building. Like dispersing. Yeah. And the way that the, the way we walked out into a parking lot that on all sides was that you couldn't get out. Like it was like the hills of Talega. It was a grand mm-hmm. many. Like to get out of that parking lot, you had to go like go into the hills of Rancho San Clemente. There was no sidewalk. There was no street. Okay. So we're standing outside. We're like in the corner of this parking lot that just backs into hills. And we're just sit all standing there. And they go and they're basically going to continue the company meeting just what? outside the building. It was the weirdest thing I've ever experienced. And I remember looking around and thinking, these people are sheep and idiots. And I am not going to, if I leave right now, everyone will make fun of me or I will be the smartest person of this entire company, worst case scenario. And I was like, that's a bet I'm willing to take. So I literally just booked it. Like they didn't say anyone was authorized to keep leaving. They didn't like, they literally acted like, please don't like do what we tell you. Don't panic. Don't panic. I was just like, bye. So I literally 
walked into the hills of Rancho no San Clemente. Yeah. <laughs> walked into the hills, walked like through the the sewage, like little gutter, concrete little gutters, probably down like 60 feet of hillside until I could get into the, onto a street, a random street. And then I Ubered when I, this is when I was living in a house in San Juan and then I Ubered to the house I was living in. So. What the heck? I know. You never told me this. Yeah. And I was the only person to flee the scene. Every other person. And I had so many people say to me, like, first of all, I got made fun of a lot later because it it turned out to just be a total scam. Like the people, it was an email. They asked for Bitcoin. Like they asked to be paid in Bitcoin to not like deploy the bomb or whatever. What? It was a total scam. And it was also emailed out to a bunch of other San Clemente businesses at the same time. So interesting. Yeah. But anyway, what? You know, like later on, a bunch of guys are like, yeah, I knew it wasn't going to be anything. I knew it wasn't a big oh, deal. Yeah. But then I had a few people say to me, like, you're literally the only smart person and the only person like not willing to like just it was it was a psychology experiment. It was so much like group pressure. Yeah. And so anyway, interesting. I my own horn because obviously like I was the one being dramatic and not calm in a crisis. But sometimes uh, if you're in a crisis, it's not the time to be calm. Well, definitely. I mean, I think it's, it's more of like, you know, can you assess the situation around you and act with reason without, you know, letting your panic set in and cloud that? Did you know totally. that I had a bomb threat like every single year of high school? Fr- freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior year, we had bomb threats. You know what? I um, I feel like I kind of remember word of that from mom. But it was like, I, it was my first, first day of school, freshman year. And, and honestly, like two of them, I want to say were innocuous and then two of them were real. So like the first one, I thought it was either the first or the second one. There was like a Marine who had like blueprints of our high school all laid out and who was like making a homemade bomb or something like that. Like he had, he had the plan in the works. And so basically they had like found his apartment and busted down the door and whatever and seen all these plans and then like we all had to like sit on the field for like the full day with like SWAT teams and like helicopters were circling and then yeah it was it was wild and I just like and then they like let us go like then we were like done with that done with the day at like noon and then like maybe actually it wasn't my second year maybe wasn't a bomb threat but it was like a so there had been a shooting Mm mm-hmm early in the morning like on campus and so then like the whole day there was, was a like, shooting at St. Clinton High School yeah yeah what like someone actually no did, like, but it wasn't a like gun. a student it, yeah but it wasn't a student it was like two civilians who were like on the campus early oh in the morning my gosh um and, these people? and then the, then this is kind of crazy but I guess I can kind of admit to I guess I can now admit to this like it's year it's what 2014 is when I graduated six years later so I'll make this story quick but basically the 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 final bomb threat one of the final ones was on Yik Yak. Do you remember Yik Yak at all? The app. This is where I'm going to show being a cooler, younger person. Was it a? It was an app where just it was like totally anonymous, random people. Totally right? anonymous. It's just like the people around you putting like random things like you know onto this like page. And was it? It was geog- geographically mm-hmm. based. It was geographically based. So this is what happened. Uh, I went to Model Congress my senior year with my uh, best friends, and. Mm-hmm. Tara and Alex and we found out about this app when we were there and it was just like funny and we were just like you know making fun of the conference or just being stupid and then that was like in the fall and then we brought it back with us and kind of showed everybody our school we got to download this app because you can just like you can kind of just like say whatever you want and 
not get in trouble for it because it's just all anonymous, which is like just a breeding ground for like teenage stupidity. Totally. So the final bomb threat was on Yik Yak. And somebody said, I'm going to blow up like San Clemente High School. Oh my God. (laughs) This like was honestly was totally our fault because we brought, well, not totally our fault, but like we brought back this stupid app. And anyways, I don't feel guilty about it, but you know, just a cautionary tale for the youngins out there. Were you ever afraid? Were you ever afraid of the bomb threats? Or what did you always think? I think say the, yes. the, the first one was totally like scary for me. Yeah. Yeah. But, but then, then after, after that, it was like, one, you're like, yeah, I was just like, what? And then unfortunately, then it just became like, oh, ha ha, you know, class of 2014. They were like, I remember someone, someone's graduation speech. They were like, it was like one of our like trials and tribulations. That's like, so cool. We all just got to like leave school early. It wasn't yeah. like that hard of a day. But anyways. Wait, I am um, okay, I this is kind of random, but now that we're just on the topic of young people yeah. and younger generations, I was talking to my friend today, you know. And anyway, he was just saying that his daughter was like bullied on via TikTok. Oh no. And I just think it's so interesting. Like what age, if you had a kid, do you let them have social media? <laughs> Like, I I don't know. Not let them. Like, not even let them until like eight, like 18, buy your own smartphone. I feel like it's like, it's like 17. 17. Like, and when you're in high school, I don't know, because like I had Instagram in high school. Yeah, I did not. I did not even have Instagram my first year of college. Like, I was 21, but I don't want Instagram. I don't want my kids to have like a smartphone where they can go on the internet until they're like, a freshman in high school because then I do feel like if you have the internet on your phone I feel like I mean at least I remember not having the internet on my phone and having me like a hindrance to like doing homework and like other stuff but maybe it won't be now like maybe I don't who knows but I, I want to avoid that like for as long as possible yeah I mean I, it's funny like I remember I remember I worked at a coffee shop called Pete's in Laguna Niguel. And it's like a this, chain. It's not like a little tiny boutique one. It's well, great. We love it. <laughs> it's, a, it. it's a mom and pop coffee shop. Oh, but I remember like on my breaks, I would like, I would have like a discreet book of poetry. Oh, and I, would, like, I don't mean to be like so cringy and annoying, but I just remember like on a break from work, a 10 minute break, I would like read a poem look out at like you know the the shop like plaza. the shopping plaza literally the parking lot i would feel you know feel the air around me and i would luxuriate in that 10 minutes but i remember someone at the the store told me about instagram and then literally i think it was like 10 years ago on a break at Pete's. I was like the last time i didn't spend spare moments on apps on my phone mm-hmm. Yeah. It was interesting. It is. I mean, I do feel like I remember the time like we would go somewhere and I'd be like, oh, I know I'm going to be bored. So I'm going to bring a book. And like, now that just like, that doesn't really happen. I mean, I have to actively remind myself to read and I read a lot, but I still, you're a better reader than I am. And that's been something that's been really not that specifically isn't what's so hard for me, but it's, it's been difficult for me to really address and be honest about my declining attention span. Mm -hmm. Yeah. pre-COVID, I was really trying hard to get off my phone. Like I took Safari off my phone. I took all social media and I was trying to get my screen time down to like under half an hour a day. That was my goal. Let the record state that Lauren has said to me maybe four, five or six times over the past three years that she is about, uh, she's going to go back to a flip phone. 
Yeah, I I think that every day. Like yeah. I need to get some fun. So that's I mean, so restraint that I've only told you that once a year. But I will say that I'm increasingly entering into like I'm I can feel myself being drawn into another phase like that for myself. But okay, so but it, before I was in an intense phase like that, like where I was trying to be off my phone, and then COVID happened, and then I kind of was just like, well, it's all out the window because we're home all totally. day every day. All I'm sorry, all day every day. We're all bored. We all have plenty of time to sit around. So I might as well just download all the apps again. So I finally took off all the stuff. You did it again. It's so funny. I feel like the first six weeks of COVID, it was like, I felt extremely motivated, like Mm -hmm. to, to, to really like capitalize on this time. And then I had like a very abrupt shift where I was just like, actually F it all. I'm going to let myself do exactly what I want. I'm not going to feel guilty about a single thing. And it's just so funny how like the motivation or like whatever sort of like momentum I had from like, Oh, this is a crazy different time in my life. So like, let's take advantage of it. Just totally evaporated and now I'm just like well I'll see y'all in 2021 I think we were all in really good and like really good grooves of working out at home and eating healthy and you know doing our like cross stitch or whatever you know our like our de-stressing watercolor activities or whatever I, I was puzzling yoga at home yoga in the mornings yeah puzzling and then like we got to week one and a half and all that crap went out the window really week like four or five and I think that like I haven't worked out my body I feel like it's the texture or that's the softness of play-doh like I just haven't worked out in so long basically since early March and the funny thing is that every time I've worked out during COVID like and which hasn't been a ton, but I kind of, I got back into it and then I like fell falling back out. I have those in my, the endorphins, like the half-life is like totally crushed. Like I oh, feel like, like before you don't I, out. no, I do. I just like feel like the endorphin like rush that I have is like just totally cut in half. Like before, if I worked out, I would work out in the morning and then I would like have this momentum, like going to work and like my commute and just like oh, feeling right. so good. And it would, honestly, my endorphins, I feel like would last until like 1 or 2 p.m. And then I'd have like, you know, my caffeine crash and be like, oh, I hate like my job and my life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but then now in COVID, I swear it lasts until like 1030. And then I'm just like, all right, another day of working from home. Yeah, let's do this. It's just it's it's interesting. It's it's a lot. There's but something pushing through not being able to go to like a gym or a like a, a studio of any kind definitely it's really hard like there's nothing inspiring about working out on the carpet in your living room no I I can't get into a zone in my bedroom that like that that makes mm-hmm. me like want motivated to work out hard at no, there's all. no fitspo on no. yeah like I very much so I'm realizing I need to be in a setting like I like actually being in an office I like being in a gym like I'm not yeah. like this homebody that just like thrives on the flexibility of working from home although you know what's interesting yeah um, and this is something I was just considering the other day where you know there's a phenomenon right now like being cut being really fit like having like muscles that show especially like as as women and as and for men too mm-hmm. but I think what's interesting about that is exercising in any sort of formal way or building muscles and trying to achieve a certain kind of physique was like never was just not something that even that was just like not even part of the vocabulary until the 70s or 80s like before then 
people just like like they are interested in losing weight and being yeah. slim yeah but there was no sort of like bodybuilding or muscle building at least in the massive popular culture there weren't even really gyms like that wasn't oh, I didn't thing. I didn't know this yeah people just like went for walks after dinner like there was activity based things like there were sports but there wasn't like this that interest in delightful. physiques so that is actually something I've been really considering like like is it important that because I always get I'm always hard on myself like I should be developing like a strong muscular body you know whatever but then I'm like I mean should I be is that just something that that Instagram fitness culture is trying to like indoctrinate me totally I, I totally agree and I think like I feel like I have the healthiest approach to exercise and like feeling good when I look at it from a mental like health perspective where it's like, I'm going to work out or I'm going to do X thing because I know I'll just like feel happier and my brain will feel lighter if I do that. Totally. Totally. But like the minute that it becomes like results based and like how much muscle can I gain? Like, you know, what are my macros, whatever? I just, totally. I I feel like I just end up failing. Yeah. My gains truly. I just end up feeling like I'm failing and it's like another thing that it like can add to like a negative mentality. Totally. I was in a really good groove working out before COVID. I finally had, I was on the end of month three going to F45 like mm-hmm. six days a week. Sometimes I would even go eight times during the week. And I felt like just having to go to a class and be at a class and like committing to a time mm-hmm. that for me was the silver bullet to actually make me exercise totally like the magic sauce or recipe Mm -hmm. if I just have a gym membership or like whatever it's not going to happen I have to actually get to classes and I loved the way I felt so to begin to what you're saying like once gyms reopen here I honestly I'm over worrying about COVID and I'm just going to start taking classes all the time again because you just do feel so much better yeah totally I mean I just I'm like literally considering buying a stair stepper just for the ha- for your apartment. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, San Francisco is too flat. Actually, that's funny. You're exactly right. But I just I don't like working out outside. Okay, there it is. I said it. I like a climate controlled area. Sun damage. Yeah, you and know? I just I, I like the cl- a climate controlled area. <laughs> what can I say? I remember one time I used to run a little bit when I was in high school, and I remember telling mom. Her mom telling me that I shouldn't run because she was like, you know, your face, it only has so many times, so many bounces in it. And then like, once you, <laughs> like once you bounce too many times, your face is just going to start sagging off. Such a mom thing to say. Such a mom thing to say. Oh my oh gosh. My okay. Well, this has been a very long intro catch up. So yes. sorry, folks. Thanks for sticking with us. Assuming anyone has stuck with us. We'll see. Yeah. Because it's just the two of us now. So now it's just the two of us. Yeah. I have to just get right into something because I, I have a lot of thoughts about it and I don't want to lose any of them. Uh, did you watch the David Foster documentary? I mean, I, I know you I did. Ever. I know you, you know did. I did. You, you posted about it, but like, I want to hear your uncensored thoughts about okay. David Foster. Okay. I want to hear what your thoughts pre the documentary and then after watching it because I had a change of heart. Oh, you had a mighty change of heart. And I'm, I'm but not for the better. Okay, well, that actually makes me feel good. Should we give a little bit of, sorry, exposition about who David Foster is to people who don't know? Oh, I forget that people don't know. Because he actually, he's like a rich, like, intersection of culture. Like, he's like a microcosm for Hollywood. Yeah, David Foster is a very, very, very successful music producer who also just happens to be at the center of Hollywood royalty or reality star royalty. Mm -hmm. So he was married to Linda Thompson. Mm -hmm. who 
was married to Elvis or dated Elvis. I think just dated Elvis, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. seriously dated Elvis. Linda Thompson, who was dated Elvis and then was married to Bruce Jenner when Bruce Jenner was named Bruce. Mm-hmm. Bruce Jenner had two sons with Linda Thompson named uh, Brandon Brody, and Brody. Yeah. So Brody Jenner and Brandon Jenner are Bruce and Linda's sons. So then became David's stepsons. So I don't know if you know this, but Bruce left Linda to transition in the 80s. Mm-hmm. I didn't know this. Glad you're up on that. And so Linda remarried. What's interesting about Linda, I think she's a pretty woman. She's not, I don't think that she's um, like a Christy Turlington of her time. So I think <laughs> it's so incredible. Like I would love to know what tricks she knows, what kind of charisma that B has, like what she is pulling Seriously. to literally seduce and get the wealthiest, most powerful men to fall in love with her and marry her. It is fascinating. But anyway, so she dumped by Bruce Jenner. She just picks up David Foster, like who it was mega wealthy at the time, moves into his Malibu mansion or they build it together or whatever. And then they don't work out because I think that she actually walked in on him having some sort of like allegedly some sort of affair with someone Interesting. So they don't work out. And then he ends up marrying Yolanda Hadid. I think Yolanda Hadid or Yolanda Foster is his next wife. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's anyone in between Linda no. and Yolanda. No. There Yolanda- were people before Linda, FYI, but not. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, there were. There were like two other wives two before Linda. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. So then he so then he marries Yolanda. But, who, oh yeah, there was the mom of Sarah and Aaron Foster. Yes. Before yes. that. Yeah. He marries Yolanda. Yolanda, who already had two daughters, Bella and Gigi, with Muhammad Hadid, who our sister rode in the car with. So it's a long story that all goes back to the pop apologist. But but he's married to Yolanda Foster. And while he's married to Yolanda Foster, she's on the real houses of Beverly Hills. That's mm-hmm. what that is actually, yeah, that's one of his major like sources of fame, interestingly enough, because when you're a music producer, no people know of a song by Celine Dion. They don't know who produced it. Totally. They don't really know, like they don't really yeah, you're not that visible. But when Unless you're, on you're in that show, world, you're like like I it was amazing to see in the film how they like blew up a uh, movie like posters and how his name was listed on every single one. But like nobody reads that, unfortunately. No, no one reads that. No one yeah. cares. So that's where David Foster has been married a bunch of times to powerful, connected women. And um, has, and how has children were also like very much so still in the limelight. He has Aaron and Sarah Foster who did almost famous or sorry, basically famous. I mean, Aaron and Sarah Foster, I wouldn't call them in the limelight, but I would definitely, oh, say, I would they're definitely say they're in the limelight. No. I mean, yes. in the li- I mean, like Bella Thorne is in the limelight. Uh, don't you I dare would- say that name in this house. <laughs> I mean, I definitely think Aaron, I mean, they might not be like, maybe they're not like A plus celebrities, but they're like, they're definitely A minus celebrities. No. Aaron Foster and Sarah Foster. I mean, I I think I totally disagree, but that's okay. Okay. Anyway, I think that they're fine young women on Instagram. Yeah. They, the, the thing is for me, it's, it's like, if you have, I don't know, whatever. Their whole show also is like about being like famous enough to be famous, but not actually famous. So like yeah. they're self-aware about it. Yeah, totally. So like basically all of these people I'm about to list off are like step siblings. So you've got like or like were at one point step siblings, even if they're like ex step siblings now. Bella and uh Gigi Hadid, Aaron and Sarah Foster, all the Kardashian or no, 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 no. 
But kind of the Kardashian oh, kids too, because bit. Bruce went mm-hmm. on to marry, and I'm just using the name of that he was that she had had during the time. But anyway, whatever. Yeah. Caitlyn went on to marry Kris Jenner, and then obviously she had three daughters, and then they had two more daughters and a son. Um, so he's connected to all the Kardashians in that way. Yeah, yeah, he's at the center of really reality star royalty. Totally. And he was also on like the show. Didn't Brandon and Brody have some show? So they had a show called Princes of Malibu, which is yeah. to this day one of the best reality shows, I think. It's really? all on YouTube. It is so worth a Saturday afternoon. Okay. It is so funny. I would say it's Spencer Pratt at his finest. It's hilarious. <sighs> it was pre, Wait. it was honestly just, it's like, it's like Real Housewives of OC season one. Not that it's like real life dark drama, but that it's just like really low quality, yeah. but really high entertainment value because it's so, it's also. I don't know. It's just also kind of real and funny. You know that I DM'd Spencer Pratt and then he followed me for a little bit, right? You remember that? I remember that. Yeah, about a year. I mean, how could I forget your crowning achievement? He's now only following 25 people, which makes me feel better about him unfollowing me. Um, (laughs) But it's kind of insane. Did you DM him? Yeah, I DM'd him. And And I used my friend. Shout out Maddie Woods, who's like one of my like BFFs from college and honestly high school. We she is like actually friends with him. She like met him at a a place in Laguna and like is like has hung out with him and Heidi. And so I totally was I think I I don't even think I asked for her permission, which is so lame of me. But I was like, Hi, I know you know my friend Maddie. Would you uh, (laughs) you want I know so lame. I said, I, but we were going to have like this solstice party and I wanted him to come do like a crystal demonstration at it for work. And I'm like, we, I was living in LA. So like, I don't know. And he sells crystals. It's like one of his businesses. Oh, so you mean this was in the last two years? Oh yeah. Yeah. This is so funny. I wonder oh if I gosh. even can like read our DMs. Like it's honestly kind of embarrassing, but like, Fine. okay. Then. Okay. Yes. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I have him. Okay. I first of all I say yo <laughs> like in all caps. You are so this lame. Is so embarrassing. Okay, here we go. I'm okay. I said yo. I'm a homie of Maddie Woods and work for an advertising. Oh, I spelled advertising wrong. Cool. Uh, advertising agency in LA. <laughs> We're having a fall solstice party at the bungalow in Santa Monica at the end of September. Me trying to like name drop like a club like slash seeing me place. It's actually kind of embarrassing, but whatever. Anyways, we're having a fall solstice party at the bungalow in Santa Monica at the end of September. We want to do a pop-up there all about Pratt daddy crystals. What's the likelihood that we can get Pratt daddy himself to stop by and talk about crystals and creativity. The word Pratt daddy is so. Well, that's what they're called. Also, it's like, you gotta like. Oh, they're called Pratt daddy. Okay. I thought that was like your, something you made up. No. Okay. And then. I said, either way, love and appreciate you and the fam. <laughs> oh my God. And then he just responded and said, very possible. And wow. then I said, dopes. Okay, I will send you more details. And then just he sent me the crystal emoji back. And then he followed me for like a good amount of time. Did you ever send him more details? No, because I think like, I don't know if I like couldn't make it happen. With, oh, the party got canceled. That's why. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's oh. so funny. That's amazing. Sorry. A very, like a very, very small tangent, but... One of my claim to fame for sure. You're a brush with stardom, truly. I know, I know, truly. Well, actually, can I tell you one thing that Spencer Pratt said that I has I've probably remembered this quote once a week ever since I heard it. What? He said it on 
Juicy Scoop podcast, which is one oh of our favorites. That was one of the best one, best episodes. Great episode. She he was talking about how when and this is I think this is at the core of how I respond and react to reality stars and the choices that they make. Mm-hmm. Because he said that when he was living the high life at the height of the hills, that he was just you know like burning money, like he was just spending so much money because it felt like it would never end. Yeah. And then he said once that the switch was turned off and that he was no longer on TV, mm-hmm. he was like, it was over. Like he, he basically said that even for the Kardashians, once they're off TV and once they're no longer in people's living rooms and broadcast yep. onto their television screens, their power as a, like a star or whatever, it just plummets so fast. And I've just always thought that's so interesting. Like we, we take for granted that these people are going to be known or like famous forever. And obviously we're still talking about Spencer Pratt, but Spencer Pratt doesn't have the cultural cachet and the power or the income that he did when he was on the hill. And it's crazy how fast that kind of stuff can be just ripped from people. I think actually about that now with like Kristen and Stassi, like not no longer being on Vanderpump and just like, like that's just like that, that paycheck is gone. It's gone. Like not only that, but your brand, the brands that are paying to advertise with you, they're not just paying for your followers. They're paying to advertise with a star Mm -hmm. in in an active running television series. And when that is over and turned off, you're suddenly selling a different product. And 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 people will just see right through you just trying to stay relevant. Yeah, totally. This is very, 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 I would say sobering Mm -hmm. for all of us, for all reality stars and all of us that never even got to be reality stars. I'm just so grateful about. I honestly just feel grateful right now that I was never dropped from a TV show. Like, don't you feel blessed? No, because I would have preferred to have been on a TV show because then I could have at least gotten dropped from a TV show. (laughs) It's like, like, thank goodness I'm not a one-hit wonder because I didn't ever have a hit at all. (laughs) Seriously, it's kind of nice. I always think about this one thing Courtney said one time where she was like, I'm sure she like heard it somewhere, but it was like, fame is like the one thing that you can never undo. Mm you know and like you could never like you never come back from fame and like start over in any way I don't way. think I'd want to I think I'd be fine to stay there famous you meant, like staying as like a D-lister forever loved you're not beloved what if you're just like forgotten that's the funny thing is like you have these actors and they worked so hard and they let's say that they they work on kind of a lower level doing extra not extras but like they do you know they have cursory roles their entire life supporting cast for most of their lives except for they have one amazing role like like seth and the oc that comes to mind all basically the actors from the oc they never really did anything of note thereafter that I know of. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, Seth, darling Seth. And I think that they will still kind of, like, even though that they were the sh- brightest, sh- most shiny stars at the time that that show was on, once it was off and over, and now in the decades that have passed, really, like, their stars have completely fallen. Mm-hmm. And they're, no- like, now it's almost to the point of, like, oh, yeah, they just had that one show. And it's almost like they kind of do have that stigma of, like, one-hit wonder to them. Totally. But- Which is interesting because it's I know there are people who would say, yeah, I would rather – I'd rather not ever have anything than just be known for like one thing. But, but, yeah. But then there's like the cast of friends where it's just like a gravy train. Like it's a forever gravy train. Like they're actually just like beloved 
for like their and maybe that's just a show like friends where it's so many seasons and it's more of like i don't know a sitcom but yeah friends is just a different a totally different thing because i think that it's just in people's it's just way more part of people's everyday lives and it's more it's like seinfeld you know yeah or like the office even yeah more episodes lighter we should do an an, an oc soundtrack episode oh that'd be so good yeah Okay, we need to get back to David Foster. Sorry. Okay, yes, we've digressed. So I just want to say that before I watched this documentary, I thought David Foster was a pathetic excuse for a man. And then when I... When I was over watching the documentary, I thought that he was a pathetic excuse for a man. I... I, I yeah. don't care. I judge men by how they treat the women in their lives. And this is of contention between Kagan and I because I don't care about Elon Musk's accomplishments because nope. he like left his first wife and his first family. Like for me, if a man doesn't stick by the by his wife or by the woman mm-hmm. in his life and dis- has a history of discarding women, yep. after he's ex- after he's like used them and created children with them, that to me like I think of that as like the scummiest kind of human behavior, even from an evolutionary perspective. So uh, yeah, I am not a fan of David Foster. I think he, I don't care about like all of his like croony hits. Um, (laughs) There was far too much Chicago in that documentary for me to care. A hundred percent. I got, I got like halfway through the 25 minute Chicago segment. And then I realized it wasn't the Chicago show on Broadway. I was like, so <laughs> confused. I was like, is Lisa Rinna singing these songs? Like, like, why is there not enough bur- like no burlesque dancers? Like I don't Erica Jane. That's so funny. Oh my gosh. Do you think like those like old farts like wrote the music for Chicago? Like I was so dancers. confused. They're hilarious. Yeah. Um, so he obviously is yeah. a musical genius, but I'm not, I am not impressed. I mean, truthfully, he just, and it really was, the documentary was like a, a love peon and ode to David Foster. And it was also like his kids being like apologists for him. Yeah. It was disgusting. I, okay. So this is, so here are some of my thoughts. I pre this documentary, I didn't have like a major opinion on him. Like, I, I guess I did know that he had like had a string of wives, obviously, but I didn't think like. I didn't know the circumstances of like him leaving all of them. And after watching the documentary and realizing that he left his wife with a seventh month, seven month old, like literally blew my mind. Courtney just had twins and she like these like little babies who are like seven months old, like are just the most precious, darling, like needy things ever. And just to imagine not being tethered to like that little baby like enough to like stay in your marriage at least until like the kid is a little bit older like and he didn't even seem like it was a bad marriage no, it's, a, it's a character defect of the highest order yes like it's just deeply like, deeply fully like walking problematic out. And, and you know what honestly that is something that we should shame people for mm-hmm. if you leave your children i don't care if you're the mother or the father society should shame you you should yeah. experience a level of ostracism that is how societies keep people behaving well we don't celebrate people no. who like or attempt to validate like them i mean like unless it's truly like a situation of like abuse or like it's truly truly terrible where like it's destructive for you and the mother to be together yeah or, yeah, yeah. And a spouse like i just like really like abhor anyone who like were to do that to a baby and then and then sarah and aaron they explain how you know they watch as their dad 
lived with another family, Linda Thompson and Brandon and Brody. And it seems like they're basically the same age as Brandon and Brody. So their dad lives in this mansion in Malibu with two sons that he did not father, the two sons of his wife. Mm -hmm. Well, they, his biological daughters and their mother, a woman he has left, another woman he has left, live somewhere else. And uh, it was obviously clear that they did not grow up with the same resources as his stepsons did who lived with him. And it's not even just a resource thing, but how devastating it would be to feel like your dad had another family. Another family like, that wasn't even, that he hadn't even, that doesn't have any biological ties to him. Like kids. And then for them, when they were being apologists for him, I just thought these people are all on the payroll. Like these people are all on the payroll. They're all getting something from him. And that's why they're up. They're up on this documentary talking about how like, it's all fine. What Sarah said, would I rather have had a good relationship with my dad in my childhood or my adulthood, my adulthood. She literally says that. Would you, would I rather have had a good relationship with my dad in childhood or in adulthood? I would pick a adulthood like actually they're not mutually exclusive totally. Sarah. you totally. can have a good relationship both times of your life mm-hmm. I it was so floored by it and so he makes he makes a comment where he says about his, he's talking about his first daughter like the very first woman he married and I'm pretty sure who I'm pretty sure was like seven months old when he left he makes a comment and he says yeah I'm sure she like could use more like attention from me, but I'm just spread too thin. Like he says this in real time, like in 2020, he's just like admitting to the fact that he's just like, can't be there for like one of his kids. That wasn't the kid who's like way older who he is. It is. It's yeah, it is. Okay. So he had a kid that he found out about later. Right. When he was like Mm -hmm. 17 or something. Yeah. Okay. You're right. right. Yeah. But still, and it's like, okay, I don't understand why you're admitting to being spread too thin. Yeah. I mean, you have that much money. There's no excuse. No, there's no excuse. That is exactly right. You don't have to be still like trying to find the next Josh Groban. Like you can go to lunch with your daughter, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? So true. Oh my gosh. Like, here's the thing. I'm not a Michael Bublé person. I'm not a Christian Chenoweth person. I'm not a, yeah. uh, I I like Josh Groban actually. Like none of those musicians are like, I think they're all super talented, obviously. And I'm not going to like hate on their talent but they're just like not people I geek out over but all that is to say I also don't geek out over Catherine McPhee totally the Catherine McPhee thing I mean do we want to can we get into it a little bit yeah let's get I mean like the way they were trying to like explain away the 32 year age I think, gap. It's, I think it's more than that I think it's like 34 36 <sighs> I okay well first leading into it they basically SHIT talk Yolanda Foster, Yolanda Deed. Yes. Like they throw so much shade on Yolanda. The daughters and the kids don't have a, a damn nice thing to say about Yolanda. No, no. Not only that, but then he has the nerve to say that he didn't leave her because of her Lyme disease. Some other reason that he'll never speak about. never speak about. It's just like, so okay. So suddenly now we all, it's up to our imaginations. What yeah. terrible thing she did or that happened. Like all of us, like he, he's like, Oh, I'm sorry. I fled every relationship I've mm-hmm. ever been in. Mm-hmm. It gets too hard. And then suddenly he's talking about his relationship with Yolanda. And he says, I could never leave a sick woman. 
Oh yeah, you could. You left perfectly healthy ones. Yeah, yeah. Why? Of course, yes. you would have left a sick woman. Totally. Like, what, suddenly you're this val, like valiant uh, man who stands, who like takes his vows and oaths seriously. But, I don't think so. But also, like, it's this weird situation where he's like, "I have so much character. I'll, I'll never speak about the real reason I left her." It like, was what? disgusting. I yeah. stand by Yolanda Foster every day of my life, every second that mm-hmm. I breathe on this planet. And for me, that was the biggest insult of them all on that yeah. documentary. Yeah, it's true. It's so true. So, okay. So I think that when they got into the Catherine McPhee portion and they start basically just like showing mm-hmm. what a great couple they are and like their fun Instagram photos together and how in love they are and how Catherine McPhee is and how she makes him talk about her feelings. I just thought this is the sickness of our society. Mm-hmm. This is not normal. This no. woman is going to be 40 married to basically someone who's almost 80 mm-hmm. like that is not normal no. 40, uh, it's gross like if she's younger Catherine than McPhee, aaron and sarah which are not his oldest daughters which are like his daughter's like 20 years older than his current wife basically and i'm sorry but i think that like I think it's gross in our society normalizing this and trying to say that it's a good thing. It's not a good thing. Catherine McPhee should be with someone who she can actually, like, unless she wants to forego children, which is the, a major part of a woman's life. Like if she wants to forego that to marry someone super geriatric, fine. You know, if your heart is in your dream, no request is too extreme. But I would say that. <laughs> what the hell? I cannot believe you just pulled that one out of your butt. I will say that that she's giving up like a huge part of life to be with this guy. And I don't think we should celebrate it. I mean, I mean, yeah, I just don't think that we should normalize it because I just don't feel like it's normal at all. Like. And they're just talking about how, what an amazing couple they are. Literally, they've been together for like two or three years. Totally. Like that relationship will be Enjoy done it. in five years. It Wait till be- she has a seven-month-old. I feel like Vicky Gummelson. I want to be like, you know what? You know what, David? Oh, Call me in five years when you're divorced. Totally. Well, and oh, when she was just talking about how she makes him talk about her feelings, like I was just, I, there was the cringe and the eye roll. Like that was it's happening. Like, shut up. Oh, like, shut up. Like I'm so glad like by by his fifth wife or sixth wife, whatever, like he's so much more evolved and you're finally able to work these feelings out of him. He, he just if he finally on his fifth wife, he found a woman who was who was able to really get at his feelings mm-hmm. and help them open up. I'm like, you're just, just not that like, complex. You're actually just like a total pathetic loser. I was so afraid you were going to be like, I love David Foster now. Oh my gosh. Oh, no, no. Like, Courtney and I watched it together. And after we finished it, we were like, it kind of made us feel sick. Like, it was just like, I don't feel like great about the state of men after watching this video. Well, just, oh, no, it's disgust. It's super disgusting. And we shouldn't normalize that stuff in our society. And I think that, you know, Courtney is what, two, maybe a year younger than Catherine McPhee. Mm-hmm. Like, I just think it's interesting if you look at where Courtney's life is going to be in 30 years. I guess Catherine McPhee should just have she'll just have a, another life with someone else. That's really what it will be. It's yeah. kind of like um, Dennis Quaid and his new wife, Ugh. who I think she's 27 and he's like so six. Gross. It's a bigger age gap. It's I think it's a full 40 years. Like she'll just she'll just have another life, like with someone yeah. else eventually. Yeah. 
Guess so. This is the thing that irritates me. Is like you love you really you love this person so much you want them to forego the opportunity to have like a normal life with someone. Uh-huh. That is what's that is like. I don't know these major age difference relationships. That is, I think, what I what I take umbrage with. It just bums me out. Truthfully, I'm just like, oh man, like I can't believe, like I don't know, just men, men, the way men get their way. It's really like kind of grosses me out. Well, anyway, I don't want to sound like a man hater. I just think that I. It's honestly, it's not all men in any way. It's no. just like, and I actually, I had this it's moment where I, men. I really realized, I'm like, Ugh, our dad is just like such a true blue guy and like there's just like zero parts of him that are like sleazy or I don't know like maybe that's weird to say I think that like in the media we hear stories about like the David Foster about the Dennis Quaid's Mm -hmm. because they are sensationalist stories so people love to hear about them because they are so like newsworthy but for every David Foster there's like hundreds of men like our dad exactly you're exactly right it's so true like there are so many so many good men out there and like maybe maybe it's fame you know yeah it's fame I think it's also like you kind of you are influenced by your community and I think that if you're living in Hollywood that's just a whole different world where this kind of stuff is so normal so common you know so common if you're in a community where couples stay together and people like don't just upgrade their spouses or whatever. It's just, I think it's, it, you know, you don't have, it's just a whole different situation. So I think it, this is like a problem of the rich and famous. Totally. Which unfortunately we both aspire to be. So I guess that's our problem coming up. So <laughs> I mean, just look, be on the lookout. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, okay. Well, that was, Should we talk about the other marriage breakdown that happened recently yeah so let's just let's really quick talk about jada and will yeah and then we'll read some reviews how's that okay perfect let's do it everyone knows but i will give a 10 second recap there's a a young man named august who was a friend of will and jada smith's son who i believe is now 26 but at the time he he recently came out and said that he had uh, a relationship with jada pinkett smith Mm -hmm. about four years ago when he was 22, I believe my facts are a little hazy on this. And Twitter blew up because he, you know, came out with all with saying this. And then so Jada and Will, in response, they sit down at the red table, she has the show on Facebook to discuss it. And while explaining what happened, Jada refuses to use the word relationship or we started becoming intimate or really speak to it explicitly. So instead she says, I got into an entanglement with August. (laughs) (laughs) There's been memes going around about entanglements. (laughs) And (laughs) there's, yeah, this word is hilarious. Chandler, what did you think about the show? (sighs) What did I think about the show? I... Honestly, I, I, I'm, I'm like a fan of Jada. I'm not, not a fan. I, I just thought that it was like, it's all just struck me as very weird. Like the I fact that it was weird that they even did it. Like why yes. not just not respond to it? Totally. But maybe it's like a content thing. Maybe, you know, they needed to like drive some, I mean, maybe it was purposefully leaked. No. In, in, in their minds, like I think Will and Jada 
to us at least, they're not in the forefront of news. They're not really pumping out much content other than a Facebook show, which mm-hmm. like I'm pretty sure our 19 year old sister has friends with Facebook shows. So they're not, I don't think of them as like major current day celebrities, but I think in their minds they really are. Yeah. And there are serious fans of those people. So I think for them, they literally felt like this was like Melania and Donald like, Trump. They've like got to get ahead of the they story. They have to get ahead. They have to address it with the American public. The people are demanding answers. You know, this is going to be like the third thing to protest about. But they do think that they're very famous. And so I think they felt like, okay, we actually have to talk about this, where I think that if they had hired me to do their PR, um, I would have told them, Listen, Will and Jada, just go to Whole Foods, get some groceries, call the paparazzi, tell them where you're holding hands as you're walking out. Holding hands or have a playful slap on the butt, you know, when mm-hmm. when you're loading the groceries into right. the Range Rover. Just I want to see you out and about once or twice a week over the next month. Yeah. And with the family. With the family and and we're gonna put this story to bed. We're not gonna address it, but by addressing it. Oh, well, so, and uh, that I would have told them just, you know, orchestrate some pop shots and we'll circle back in a month. It would have been a really, it would have been a flat fee. It wouldn't have been a big deal, but they did not hire me to do their PR. Instead, they took it into their own hands and went to the red table to discuss it. And this has blown up into a much bigger story than it ever would have been. Classic mistake. If you don't want something to get a bunch of press, don't talk about it. Don't acknowledge it. You know that Stassi isn't, right now, she isn't like talking about uh, the controversy that happened with her and Faith. Uh, nope. she's, she's, just, she's making little public appearances with Bo, seeming normal, seeming mm-hmm. stable. Mm-hmm. She'll have little stories here and there, all very, very PG, all very like minivan friendly. Mm-hmm. And that's smart. Will and Jada, not their not their brightest move. You know what I think? I think that the Church of Scientology probably pays whatever PR strategist that they employ. And I'm sure they're just like, you know, maybe they're a Scientologist PR person. And maybe they're just way behind the times, you know, because they're Scientologists. I mean, if you know anything about Scientologists, that person has also probably been like scrubbing bathroom floors on a ship till 3 oh, a.m. They have no no time to actually properly strategize. They're really exhausted <laughs> from all of the cleaning from and like nautical activities, like sea nautical org. chores. You thought our childhood chores were bad? Like talk about Sea Org chores. <laughs> yeah, there's like, there's just a lot of like plank polishing happening <laughs> for the Scientologists. So they don't have time just to really strategize for Jada oh, and Will. And then they have to make time for the, the oh, shoot, why am I, for their audits or whatever, like where they hold on to those cans, and then they talk about what they've done. Taxes might be delayed this year, but not for Scientologists. Those audits, no. they're coming at regular intervals. <laughs> Definitely. Ugh. Anyways. Anyways, we digress, but I thought the video was so interesting, and I thought that Will, during the video, at first he seemed like, kind of like, I f- at first he seemed kind of like just like fine and whatever but then once they start talking about it he seems so like at first he seems amused on the whole situation and then she actually starts talking about it and that is when he starts to seem so deeply uncomfortable like his whole sure. body and body language is just cringing but what I do think is interesting two things um not to totally commandeer this 
entire story. But I think that the first thing that's interesting is that it's clear that they have an open relationship. This has been an open Hollywood secret for decades. Everyone knows this. And I think that there actually is something like for me, if you want to, if you want to do whatever you want to do, but your priority is like keeping your family stable and like that unit intact. Mm -hmm. I actually think more power to the Jadas and Wills of the world who have intact, beautiful families and like clear like units and that are like, that are good parents and that provide stability for their kids and like are like still fulfilling those roles. And then also whatever, like indulging whatever private desires that they have that they've clearly agreed to and that it's fine. I actually think more power to them. They clearly were in an open relationship. They just don't want to admit it. And I think that they don't want to admit it because they don't want their kids to know they were, they have an open relationship. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. It's like, well, can you actually carry on those sort of private affairs and actually keep it private from your family? I mean, I think that if I see, I don't know. I don't know anyone who yeah. is in a long-term Which open marriage. I feel like it's problematic from the get-go, even though it does like in theory sound like more power to them. Like good for you. I just don't yeah. know how it like actually functions. But that being said, you know, maybe like rich people can do it. Maybe people who can just like hire nannies all the time so that they don't have to like, they can just, you know, be away. Who knows? Yeah. I don't know if it's just rich people who can, or super rich people who can manage it. It's probably, you're probably right. It's probably not actually manageable. I just think that if there's a, on a scale between virtuous family oriented people and David Foster on the other end, yep, yep. that Jaden will, you know, are way more on the virtue end. And it's like, who's to say you don't love your partner so much and you aren't totally still like in love with them, but you do indulge in like other activities, you know? And like, you can, I I think you can still like totally love a person if you're not monogamous. Is that crazy to say? I think you, I think you can for sure, but you just run the, I, and this is where we're going to like, suddenly all of our polyamorous listeners are going to send us angry emails. Yeah. But I think that you just run the risk that the other person meets someone they like better. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. For sure. And that is what is like fundamentally could like destabilize like the family. Well, cause the then, family. It's, then it's, you haven't watched Betty Broderick at all. Have you? I haven't watched Betty Broderick. Yeah. I mean, but what were you going to say about it? I was just going to say, like, the minute you start to develop true feelings for someone outside of your marriage, you actually start to, like, resent your partner and, like, notice every single thing that's wrong with them and every single thing that's right with, you know, the person you're having an affair with or beginning to have an affair with. I mean, on some level, isn't that kind of the deal of monogamy is, like, you you give up the excitement of, like, new romantic mm-hmm. pursuits. hmm and like the those thrills for the stability of someone who will like oh who will commit their life to you oh definitely like, no it's just it's, it's interesting and I think like yeah it's just like people like who are so intent on I don't know like having both things like I don't think you can't have both 
what if you just acknowledge that it's not possible and take the pressure off, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I remember I went on a date with a guy. Oh, I went on a date with a guy and he told me that he needed to be with someone. Yes. He just, you know, he's very, very worldly. He's very deep. And I, he, he just said, I need to be with someone who can handle the idea of waking up. And I have left a note that I'll be gone for a couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> This is the guy who also dated Eden Sassoon. Uh, fun fact. I don't know if they I, dated, but they like had a little tryst or whatever. Anyways. I hope that you like a pr- promptly were like, okay, check please. I remember I was such a serious dater, but it was a problem because I was also found really hot guys to be so hot. So this mm-hmm. is when, when, my, when that Lauren, ended up being a conundrum. Lauren has called herself in the past before a connoisseur of male beauty. I don't know that I've ever used those words. I think I've used the words I have a high tolerance for male beauty before. Well, either way. <laughs> <Tomato>. <laughs> tomato. Anyway, I was kind of shallow when I was dating. And anyway, I I remember like I was very forthright and told him like that I found him that I found like that to be like appalling and you know, I wasn't I thought that was ridiculous and whatever, whatever, whatever. But I still went on like probably three dates later, three dates oh after God. that with him. So, so incredible. Oh, yeah. Anyways, and those thoughts on marriage as someone who's and, single but and someone who's just gone engaged. That's where yeah, we stand. Tell me, do you have anything else you want to say on Jada and Will? No. I mean, I think we should explore maybe next week, Margot the Bargo Robbie rumors. Totally. Well, did you notice the deep double standard in her description or their description of him as sick when they first met him? No. Okay. So did you watch the Red Table Talk? No, I didn't actually. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, glad that's out, that's out of the bag there. If you notice, my responses were like very neutral and that's because uh, I didn't actually watch it. <laughs> and then she has nothing else to say about Jada and Will. Okay. Well, someone didn't do her homework. I'm so glad you're taking this podcast seriously. Am. I did watch it, all 12 minutes of it. And I will say that they talk about, you should watch it because they talk about how he was really, really sick. He was not in a good place when they first met him. He was not doing well emotionally. Okay. And, who is? and then Augie, she calls him Augie. Oh, I know. I, I just meant like who is in general doing well emotionally. Like well, name one person who's just like thriving emotionally. I mean, I think I'm doing well. Anyway, not to right. be, <laughs> not Let to be gross. Walk. Moving right along. I guess it's shameful to, you know, not be in a crisis. But anyway. No, I just meant like, I just, I, I guess for me, I take issue with that because it's like, what do you mean? Like they're sick. Like just because you're emotionally like maybe like, I don't know. That felt like very drum, dramatic in my opinion. Well, that's the exact words they use. They're like, he was so sick. He was so sick. And, and then, you know, and then we got into an entanglement. That's what she says. Mm-hmm. Like Chandler, can you imagine if, the tables were turned and Will was saying, oh yeah, this 21 year old girl, she was so mentally out of it and sick and was just not in a good place. And then I started hooking up with her. Like people would be outraged, mm-hmm. but because the genders are flipped, they're not totally like, it like if Will was doing that, it would look like he like preyed upon her. Yeah, totally. Which I'm, I'm sorry, but guys can also be preyed upon. Young oh, boys can also be preyed upon. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So 
Anyway, I'm I'm glad that good job on almost getting away with the fact they didn't actually so close. Oh. oh my gosh. Okay, so Chan, let's just let's dig into it. Let's read some reviews. You down? Okay. Let's read some. Let's do it. Okay, so I'm gonna start with Cold Brew Libra 13. Okay. Okay, she says, or he, you know, you never want to discount our male listeners. Great chemistry. That's the subject. They're genuinely funny and have great chemistry. The podcast is a nice and easy listen while I'm cooking dinner. I need a break from my normal true crime podcast. Five out of five would recommend. I mean, thank you. I'm sorry your standards are so low. We're not actually that funny. Um, No, I'm just kidding. If you could, if you could recommend some normal, some of your normal true crime podcasts, I'd actually be really interested in that because I've recently run out. I'm currently now listening to only only podcasts about the opioid crisis, which is uh, really dark. Ooh, yeah, sounds dark. Okay, so moving on to Camilla Keon. This one is entitled "Funniest Sister Dynamic." She says, I love this podcast. The episodes are fun, witty, and the topics are fascinating. I get so excited for a new episode. Well, all I have to say is thank you for being excited for our new episodes, even when we skip and take a few weeks off. Yes. And thank you for thinking that our sister dynamic is delightful. We are thrilled to bring it to the masses. So appreciate you, Camilla. Love you. Okay. Next one is by Wilson, who I think you know. Oh, of course. Oh, let me do this. This is me. Okay. <laughs> like Brittany once said, give me more. I no longer need my own opinion on pop culture. I plan on regurgitating everything these eloquently hilarious sisters say. You may just catch me in the streets claiming to know more about Lisa Rinna's wardrobe than I do. Chandler and Lauren dish up their piping hot takes on a silver platter and I eat it up every week. Give me more. Ugh. Truly, Wilson is a very, very talented writer. We went to school together and she's one of my very best friends. And this review proves it. Wilson, love you. I'm so glad I got to see you last week. Love you. Love you too. Love you. I couldn't want to say more than Chana because I don't really know you, but I would love to be friends. I would love to, you know, create a relationship and maybe get to the point where you like me more than Chandler. That's my goal. Yeah. Uh huh. We'll see about that. Wilson, I just want to apologize for any of our comments about Taylor Swift at the beginning of this episode, because um, truly, I know we might have offended you. So I'm sorry, because I know you're a Taylor Swift stan. Apologies as well, Wilson. Okay, next one is by Sophia Fries. Fun and funny. Love this podcast because I can relate to the sisters reminiscing on their childhood together and as adults talking about all things current to pop culture. Whether talking about housewives on Bravo to the unrealistic anxiety slash fears instilled by parents, these girls will have you laughing while you're cleaning your apartment or whatever you do whilst listening to podcasts. I mean, if we can keep people entertained while cleaning their apartment with our anxieties and fears as children, I think that, I think that we have made, we've, we've, taken lemons out of life and put to put them in a bowl as shannon Medora would say whatever i i just hope we can reach somebody who's working and cleaning in the sea org one day oh, absolutely absolutely i don't think there are a lot of airpods unfortunately okay Ugh, tragic okay so lily Kruglobla, uh her review says i would have never gotten to this podcast if not for a giveaway but i'm loving it also i want to sing this <laughs> giveaway lol i Thank want to you- Lily, for your transparency. In I mean, this, review. Is, this is a very transactional review. Yeah, we should say that we have quite a few because we did a giveaway of a Skims robe. And part of entering was you get 10 extra entries if you gave us a review. So Lily, 
who probably has actually never even listened to our podcast. Wait, she literally says, I would never have gotten to this podcast and offer a giveaway, but I'm loving it. Exclamation point. Nothing specific. Like she's probably actually never listened to a single episode. I don't think she has. I admire the hustle. Yeah, honestly. Love you, girl. Love you. Okay, Marianne Jones, 10 out of 10, she says. I'm at that weird stage in my life where music no longer entertains me and runs. So this is now what I listen to. It makes exercising a little less hellish. Great banter, great topics, and put me in a good mood. 10 out of 10 recommend. Marianne, thank you. But there's only so many bounces you have. So I just want to urge you to quit the running. Please. Yeah, honestly. Like, save yourself. Okay. And this next one is a peach a day. Just do it. You'll love it. Listen to it. If you know it's good for you, I appreciate the simplicity here. I like that she's <laughs> she's borrowing from Nike's t- tagline. I think honestly, like capitalizing on that brand identity is perfect. And I feel lucky to even you know be conflated with Nike. Well, she, in this situation. She puts her Instagram handle in the giveaway, which is another which in the <laughs> review, which is a dead giveaway that this is a transactional. Yeah, that's review okay. In the spirit of Lily Kruglov, we still love you a peach a day. we do okay i'm gonna read the next one because it's by a friend of mine okay so it says supreme that is the title this podcast has gotten me through this quarantine quite literally being blessed with lauren's wit was my favorite part of working with her oh but knowing there were there were more out there just like her unreal this podcast is just the right amount of gossip fresh perspective and opinions i feel like every episode i'm at a sleepover with my best friends Haley, i wish i could be at a sleepover with you love you so much thank you girl appreciate you well, Haley, in that spirit, I just want to say I hope that you and I can establish a relationship and get to a place one day where you like me more than you like Lauren. <laughs> back off, Chandler. Back off. Okay, this next one, you guys, this is someone who's very near and dear to me because they've just married one of my closest friends, Sammy. This, it, this review is by Andrew, who I just traveled to Utah for his wedding to my dearest friend, Sammy. So he says, and Andrew is also another fellow writer. So you can just tell by his review. He said, great pod after my mother. These are the two white women I'm most emotionally attached to. I mean, it's a little dark, Andrew, since I've never met you, but (laughs) I'm hoping you're well, I'm hoping you're not sick like August. No, Um, he's emotionally doing well. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it's uh, I, we're not going to become entangled okay that's all i have to say <laughs> i mean i really <laughs> hope you guys don't become entangled because he's literally just married my best friend <laughs> <laughs> i'm just saying it's <laughs> off the table okay <laughs> all right let's just navigate away from that one okay the next is by young sades uh witty conversation and fun p i can't see the rest I look forward to this podcast every week. The Bledsoe sisters are witty and hip. They are they tell the best stories and keep me up to date with all things pop culture. Lauren, I mean, I, I mean, like this that. Is our cousin, this is Sadie. Our cousin. Oh, young. Oh, cute. Young, young Sades. <laughs> <laughs> young Sadie. Oh, cute. Oh, thanks, Sadie. Love you. You're I the could best. tell. By the way, she. I feel like saying Bledsoe sisters is like a signal to us that she's a fellow Bledsoe or was yeah. at least. We love Sadie. Love it. Okay, Chan. Okay, um, Sid staying. The friends I wish I had. Oh, listening to this pod makes me feel like I'm hanging out with friends as passionate about reality TV as I am. It's always a relatable good time. <sighs> okay, I kind of read this one in the same spirit of Andrew Ray's or Reese. Call out people for leaving nice reviews. I feel the like friends you- I wish I had. Does Sid staying have any friends? 
Like, I, I just imagine I someone in, like, a dark closet saying, like, these are the friends I wish I had. I'm saying, like, I've got news for you. We are already friends. Don't you worry. Oh, you know Sid Stang? No, but I'm just telling her that we are already friends. Sid Stang, you are a friend. I don't want you to be alone in this world. Please. You need to get out of the cult, get out of the, of your, wherever you are, and be our friend. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get out of the closet. Just EMS. Get out of wherever you are. (laughs) And be our friend, okay? Because no one... I'm trying to say that she's already our friend. She doesn't need to leave (laughs) location. If the subject said some friends I wish I had, I feel fine about it. But it's the friends I wish I had. Like, this person has no friends. (laughs) Sit saying, please please reach out. I'm free. I will become entangled. This review just turned into a cry for help. That's that's what I'm saying. So was Andrew Reese. These are the two white women, or the white women I'm most emotionally attached to. I've never met him. What? <laughs> I'm nervous. Okay. <laughs> Let's move on. Ava, go. Love them! Exclamation point. Hilarious and so relatable. Okay, I think someone wants a robe. That's, <laughs> okay. what, I, that's what I'm reading there. Maybe like stole some vocabulary from Sid Stang. <laughs> totally. <laughs> but likewise thanks Ava love you thank you Ava okay this is Jam Bam Boy perfect pocket podcast love everything about the honest hilarious chat that happens in every single episode this is definitely a podcast you can pop on so funny and relatable I would 10 out of 10 recommend oh I love that little I love the use of the pop on I do too (sighs) maybe we gotta have like a pop socket as merch someday and capitalize on the pop oh my gosh Lauren we I feel like Jam Bam Boy needs to get a cut of whatever profit we make for the pop sockets, which probably won't be very much because they're pop sockets, but I think we owe it to him. We need to do like a pop socket, like boom chicka pop, like <gasps> it's all coming together I'm and you grow up with the, you, pop, the partnerships. You unlock something special there. Thank you, Jam Jam Boy. Thank you. Okay. The next is Jamie M. Calhoun. Always love the name Calhoun. I do too. She says lots of LOLs. <laughs> Hilarious. Exactly what I need right now in quarantine. Dry humor plus pop culture that equals the perfect podcast. Plus they do some great giveaways. <laughs> okay, Jamie. Oh, Jamie. I'm glad that you wanted a robe. I'm also glad that it does seem like you listen. So I appreciate that. And I love your last name. I love that we invited people to do reviews and then and now we're reading like, reviews and we're like mad them. at them. <laughs> and this person just wanted a robe. <laughs> 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 I mean these are actually a trap for our listeners <laughs> yeah. yeah that's true I guess like I guess I assume that if you if you do a review for the giveaway that you have never actually listened to the podcast but I'm gonna give these people the benefit of the doubt please do we've got another six to go so let's let's turn over a new leaf okay all lols says sparkly unicorn lover this podcast is everything i've been missing about girlfriend chats with the harsh honesty of a sister the tangents are intriguing the advice and perspective on pop culture fashion and reliving childhood picketing keep me laughing this podcast is lighthearted and a real refreshing break with mom always listening it's safe to listen to with young ears around although it's better enjoyed while sneaking away from the little ones kissy faces Okay, and then she says in parentheses, Skims giveaway. This is an excellent giveaway review because mm-hmm. the, the person clearly indicates they actually care about this podcast and are a pop apologist. Yep, 100% true. So this is a delightful listen. Also, I want you to know, Sparkly Unicorn Lover, that we this episode was completely clean. I don't know if the past three episodes have been completely clean language-wise, so I'm I do apologize. I mean, I think they're... I think what she really means 
we probably cuss maybe one or two words per episode, maybe, yeah, maybe, but they're we're not like we're not this Howard is not Stern. call your daddy, yeah. yeah, like this is it's clean content, yeah. So, Agreed. Okay, thanks, well, Sparkly Unicorn Lover. That was delightful. Appreciate you. Thank you. Okay, moving on to a woman or a man after my own heart, Tuna, nineteen ninety four XO. Love it. Just started listening to this podcast because my sister recommended and I love it. I totally understand the returning thing. I don't mind racking up a big bill because I know I'm going to return at least half of the order. Glad to know I'm not the only one. I feel seen and heard and normalized. Validated. I mean, I definitely think that uh, the returning thing has actually sent me into more debt than I care to admit, but whatever. We can just move right along. It really is a trap. So they're winning. Yep. Yeah, actually speaking of that really quick, I realized when I figured out that I my credit card bill was so high from my engagement dress palooza, mm-hmm. I put like I spent six hours on a Saturday putting a bunch of clothes on Poshmark because I just did not want to have to I don't know, I just wanted to, to not pay off this bill. Yeah. And I've already sold like a thousand dollars worth of stuff. So great anyway. Amazing. Shop my closet, everybody. Shop my closet, baby. Okay. Turn of phrase is greater than flip of the hair. Oh, I like that. So uh, little great. does the J dubious know that we both have a great fl- hair flip. Great hair. Basically, anyone can give you their take on any cultural topic. What makes this pod special is the fact that Lauren and Chandler deliver their takes in an unrivaled charismatic fashion. The old razzle-dazzle, if you will. Can't wait for more. I love this review. That's darling. Also, you spelled my name right, which I really appreciate. The old razzle-dazzle. That is so cute. So cute. Love it. Love it. You ready for the next one? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, quarantine BFFs. This is from our sweet Alexa Carden. We love her. Love her. Longtime family friend. Longtime BFF. Mm -hmm. She says, being isolated with a 12-month-old had me talking more about Baby Shark than I like to admit. Lauren and Chandler and now the adult dialogue I need every week to keep me a cool mom. They had me hooked the entire episode to the point I actually truly believe I am part of the conversation. I adore them physically and mentally, and now it is my life goal to be on the podcast with them. Wow. wow alexa first of all let's uh, let's let's do a bonus episode with alexa because alexa speaking of like hot fit bodies alexa is like so built these days oh my gosh and i would love to get like fitness tips and also, just alexa could be our britney spears correspondent because alexa yes. knows everything about britney spears alexa and i used to watch the girls next door and like dish on the girls next door when we were like 14 to each other and so oh. anyway Alexa and I go way back in loving pop culture together. So we, Alexa, you definitely have to come on. Love, Love Alexa. You. Oh, also, thank you for saying you adore me physically and mentally. I mean, that's the hottest compliment I've gotten in yeah, like six I months. I ever told you that before. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. <laughs> Such okay. a bitch. I'm going to do the next one too because I know this person. Okay. So this is sweet Chelsea rambo she says long last relation i knew after episode five i was truly hooked but now have absolute confidence in the fact that i am indeed connected to these girls on a higher level coming from an all-girl family with so many parallel life moments we've got to be sharing the same dna the only thing left to do is connect the dots with ancestry.com you've kept me laughing laughing non-stop every time i played the pod thank you for making me feel like i have a social life post-motherhood this is my official invite plus acceptance to myself to join you both on a real housewives in the wild hunt this summer in (laughs) we will find them cheers xo chelsea i mean oh my god is that incredible chelsea is amazing gorgeous friend of um of mine and she has like 
two really beautiful kids. And anyway, she's just super funny and wonderful. And she is also housewives obsessed as I am. So we're hoping to, you know, go to Nobu, maybe catch Tamara and Eddie out and about at Cut Fitness. Just do yep, some sort yeah. of like Real Housewives hunt at some point this summer. Ugh, I want to. Am I invited? Absolutely. Okay, good. Just making sure. Oh my gosh! Please. All right. Um, do you want to finish okay. this off? Let's let's take this home, baby, with Liza Holland, Sister Fix. That's what she's calling it. I found this pod via an Instagram rabbit hole of mutual BYU slash Utah friends, and boy, am I glad I did. As someone who also grew up Mormon with a lot of sisters, the witty back and forth and good-natured razzing feels like coming home, if my home was equipped with faulty and ultimately free tile. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> Thank you, ladies. I hope you get that sweet, sweet Casper mattress sp- uh, money ra- sooner rather than later. Ugh. So do we, baby. That is just, and that's the prayer we're going to end with, that we get that sweet, sweet Casper sponsorship money. I mean, if if it's as sweet as these reviews, we have a lot to live for. It will be delicious. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) that said, I adore every single person who wrote a kind word and we we don't deserve it. I'm like, I'm on a high now. Chandler doesn't, that's for sure. Even though we asked for all, like a lot of the giveaway reviews, I'm on a high. I feel good. Let's we should do another giveaway just to get more reviews and just, then we can talk crap about them. <laughs> yes, we, uh, let's spend some money so we can get gassed up. So we can gaslight our listeners. I thought they wanted this review. <laughs> Why are they talking about all the fact that I'm just doing this for the giveaway? Anyway. Oh, gas, no, okay. that, that could really be our angle of the podcast mar- market, gaslighting our listeners. I mean, I have nothing to say. <laughs> Gaslight our <laughs> listeners. Okay. Well, Lauren, um, please start packing because we have to go to San Francisco very soon. Yeah, we do. Okay. I got to go. Uh, also, I don't know so the car's not going to have a lot of room. So you're, you just get a carry on. Okay. That's fine. I'm packing light. And next week, you guys, we will have tales of our adventure going to SF together. Yeah. It should be super fun. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Bye. Bye. That's all for now, folks. Don't forget, give us a five-star review. Hit us up on Instagram at Apologists, and we will see you next week, live every Wednesday. Do you ever worry about running out of interesting things to say to friends when you actually get to see them? Then we've got the perfect podcast for you. I'm Eve Yohalem, and each week on Book Dreams, my co-host Julie Sternberg and I use books to explore fascinating questions, like what happened when a Harvard professor staked her reputation on an alleged gospel of Jesus's wife that turned out to be fake? And how did debut author Tom Lynn save the American Western by blowing it to bits? Are pigeons rats with wings or wonder birds? And what's the who, what, when, where, how, and especially why of books bound in human skin? Recent and upcoming Book Dreams highlights include conversations with Booker Prize-winning author Marlon James, Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Katherine Schultz, and Merlin scholar Dr. Laura Campbell. You can listen to Book Dreams wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everyone. I'm Emily Beerley. And I'm Jennifer Chaikin. And we're licensed marriage and family therapists, owners of the therapy group, and hosts of the Shriek Chicks podcast. 
Every week, we bring you a new episode where we dive into therapeutic topics like inner child work, dating anxiety, family dynamics, relationships, and burnout. Making them more relatable and understandable, leaving the psychobabble behind. We address the things you've been dying to ask your therapist but don't know how. And work to help you stop shooting all over yourself with the expectations society can put on us. Tune in every Monday to Shrink Chicks on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Be sure to follow along and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Prepare to learn all about you because in order to grow yourself, you got to know yourself. Thank you.